Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. While Israel has been undergoing its internal struggle, external challenges have not receded. They may even have risen, as hostile forces were glad to watch the Jewish state and its defense establishment tear themselves apart. This was also the backdrop to successive visits by the highest military and civilian officials of the Pentagon, General Milley and Secretary Austin, with Iran and the Palestinian arena, as always, on the agenda, but this time also the repercussions of the nation's domestic tug-of-war. To analyze it, let's turn to our guests from Central Israel initially, in transit for that matter, Ambassador Dania Elon, who is the co-host of TV7 Middle East Review, Powers in Play co-panelist and former Israeli ambassador to the United States, as well, of course, as the deputy foreign minister here. Dani, thank you for joining us. Thank you, John and Jonathan. Always good to be with you, even in transit. Indeed. Also joining us uh, from elsewhere in central Israel is Ambassador Roni Leshnoyal, who is Israel's former ambassador to NATO, the European Union, and the United Nations in Geneva, respectively. Thank you for joining us, Ambassador. Thanks for inviting me. Indeed, it's good to have you. And uh, also with me here in the studio is our TV7 editor-at-large and host of Watchmen Talk, Powers in Play, and so much more, Mr. Amir Oren. Amir, the complexities are many, and the challenges uh, overseas and just across the border are even more. Uh, What can you tell us about that to start our conversation? So Israel uh, has um, a permanent, or at least semi-permanent, until there are peace agreements, um, enemies, neighbors uh, with hostile uh, intentions uh, and the like. And this has not changed when uh, the uh, governments uh, in Israel changed uh, late last year. But but what has changed is that the perception of uh, Israel's cohesion and um, uh, unity of effort um, has weakened because of uh, what has happened uh, over the last uh, couple of months with uh, the um, government's program to uh, change the balance of uh, forces, balance of powers between the uh, various branches of government, uh, which caused a lot of dissent, protests, demonstrations, and included um, very strong reactions by some of uh, the uh, military reserve um, servicemen in Israel or retired uh, military officers and men. This may cause uh, some uh, um, of the Iranian officials, Hezbollah leaders, perhaps Palestinian uh, militants, to re-evaluate their chances in uh, attacking Israel. And therefore, um, it behooves Israel to uh, solve its domestic problems very, very soon in order to be prepared for the usual um, outside challenges. Just to give uh, our viewers a, a the extent of the challenge, um, just last week we had 37 out of 40 pilots from one of the most elite Air Force units, which are responsible for many of the alleged Israeli strikes uh, in 
Syria, among other strategic places throughout the Middle East, against Iran's uh, ambitions and entrenchment and so on. Um, 37 of them, out of 40, again, have decided not to go to train as a sign of protest. Of course, there are reservists reserving the right also to protest uh, as uh, they're not in active duty. But nonetheless, this is something truly alarming. And so they la- they later relented. And, you know, even with three pilots, we can take on the world. Indeed. Well, um, that is always a question to be deliberated in another time. But I'd like to bring Ambassador Ayalon into the, the conversation. Ambassador, uh, obviously, when we're looking at uh, the, the messages that come out of Israel, the enemy is watching, and it's watching very closely to every word uttered. Obviously, when there are so many words of disarray, uh, this may trigger uh, certain activities that Israel needs to be prepared for. To what degree is it prepared uh, at a time when we hear also potentially uh, reservists from the Shmone Matayim, the 8200 uh, unit, which are in charge of uh, much of uh, the, the intelligence uh, collection and, and uh, deliberations vis-a-vis those same enemies? Well, Jonathan, I would say that by and large today, Israel and the Israeli defense uh, apparatus has the luxury uh, to have a lot of redundancies and the ability to actually uh, defend the country and fulfill all the needed uh, missions with um, not too much uh, uh, staff. And, uh, and of course, uh, technology is also a, a part of what makes uh, Israeli strategic capabilities uh, so strong. At the end of the day, I would say that uh, although I, uh, I agree with uh, Amir Oren, I mean, we, we have a, uh, I would say, a, a social and political crisis of uh, unprecedented, uh, um, I would say, uh, proportions. But whether it will really uh, hurt Israeli um, defense capabilities, I don't think so. When, uh, if there is an imminent threat, Everyone from all walks of lives and uh, the divides, uh, political divides, will join and do what uh, they uh, they need to do. And I do also watch, uh, like you, Jonathan, the glee uh, and maybe wishful thinking of the enemies around us, especially in Nasrallah, who is uh, supposedly a strong and a very proficient uh, um, observer of uh, the Israeli society. Well, he has been wrong before, he is wrong now. Because if indeed anyone is tempted in the region to try Israel and to test Israel's uh, capacity to defend itself, you will see that uh, in no time, no demonstrations, no political strifes, people will do what they need to do. They will win the war and then they will come and politically um, uh, argue again. Uh, I hope you're right. Absolutely, Ambassador Lashnoyal. I'd like to hear your take on this. Well, I'm following closely uh, European reactions to uh, the situation in, uh, in, in, in Israel. And so far, uh, the reaction is uh, very soft and, uh, and moderate. I think that they're waiting in the corner to see how things will develop in, uh, in, uh, in Israel before they react uh, uh, publicly. And most European governments uh, would prefer Brussels to uh, react to the developments in Israel instead of them directly. And again, so far, Brussels was uh, rather mute uh, in order not to sour further the relations with uh, 
uh, with Israel. Uh, but it's a process, and we will see uh, what will be European reaction uh, uh, following uh, further developments in, uh, in Israel. The same for the UN. Uh, at the UN, uh, the Americans, the US, and Israel successfully uh, managed to convince uh, the Arab group to postpone a vote on a draft resolution which was very harmful to Israel. Uh, but again, depending on developments uh, on the ground, We'll have to see how things uh, uh, fold up at the UN arena. Nevertheless, when you do listen uh, to uh, intelligence circles in Europe, which I communicated with several uh, uh, in uh, the old continent and, and other uh, individuals, also in the National Security Council in the United States and elsewhere, there is genuine concern over what is being seen uh, with the divisiveness in Israel. Uh, is that concern that seems to be genuine misplaced? You know, some of the concern is genuine, some of the concern is not. Uh, there are certain European governments which are, I mean, historically uh, uh, hostile to Israel, and uh, we have very low expectations from them. So I would uh, look closely at the reaction of governments whom we consider in Israel as friendly to Israel. And the reason why all of them are following Israel so closely is because Israel is a kind of a laboratory, a test case for many liberal democracies uh, in the West, especially in, uh, in Europe. And some of them are genuinely worried that certain developments in Israel will have an impact on their own domestic uh, 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 politics and public uh, uh, opinion. This is why some of them are worried, following the uh, situation in Israel very closely, uh, speaking to Israeli politicians discreetly, so far saying very little publicly. Very interesting indeed, Mr. Well, there is uh, a basic continuity in Israeli national security policy and uh, it has not really changed uh, from uh, the previous Netanyahu government to the uh, Bennett-Lapid government, uh, which ruled Israel for a year and a half, and now back to uh, Netanyahu. Uh, the one exception uh, may be uh, Netanyahu's uh, accent on trying to torpedo the JCPOA, the deal with Iran, uh, and he had um, some success um, when President Trump was in office. Uh, this success turned into failure uh, because the Iranians uh, have now, of course, uh, gone much closer to, uh, to their uh, nuclear... Some may say the Trump administration expected to stay another uh, four years in power and had a contingency plan already in place. Well, um, be that as it may, um, the, uh, the question um, is not whether Israel would have acted otherwise had Netanyahu not been in power now. He is uh, for the time being. Um, the real question is whether the Israeli decision-making process is going to be impaired by uh, the uh, domestic uh, crisis. Because usually, even when we uh, look uh, abroad, around the globe, we tend to, uh, to uh, have uh, stereotypes, look um, uh, on nations as unitary actors. We talk about Putin. We don't talk about Russia as having a, a very sophisticated decision-making uh, uh, apparatus. 
People look at Israel and usually they compare it with the incumbent prime minister. Now they know that there are various forces, not necessarily having to do with the Iranian policy of Israel, but challenging the capacity of the government to make any decision which will not be suspect. Because if there is a crisis with Iran now, it may not be seen as genuine. And some people, including in the reserves, uh, may question um, the veracity of the government's uh, version and the faithfulness of those who may have tried to distract public opinion from what is happening here in the streets to the streets of Tehran or to the facilities of Natanz and Fordu. Well, of course, the, the world has uh, plunged into disarray, not only in Israel, all over. Uh, and we see the implications thereof, uh, again, in uh, every country around the world. But uh, when we're looking here at Israel and we looking at the surrounding of Israel, to what degree do our Arab neighbors look at us and uh, think, okay, Israel, the projection of power which used to come or emanate from here, it's not as stable as they used to think, Ambassador Ayalon. Well, I would say if we look today, you know, the strategic landscape of Israel today is uh, much different than in the past. Certainly, in the long past, and uh, you know, in the new, in the in the last few years, uh, we have, uh, you know, following the Abraham Accords, uh, we have a formal relationship, peaceful relationship with many of the Arab countries. If we look at the uh, what we call the uh, the ring countries, you know, uh, the, the ones that Israel borders with, whether it's Egypt, Jordan, uh, Syria, and Lebanon, none of these uh, countries, uh, you know, would uh, be involved now in any hostile action. You know, actually, we have a very strong um, cooperative uh, strategic relationship with both Jordan and Egypt as we uh, counter terrorism together. And, uh, of course, uh, uh, we have uh, our in case of Jordan, uh, a lot of its infrastructure is very much linked to Israel in, in terms of water uh, supply and energy supply. Syria also does not have the wherewithal uh, to, to act. Uh, maybe there could be some uh, uh, actions of, uh, which, which actually attest to the, the lack of control, uh, absence of control of Syria over their own countries. So there could be some Shia militias, you know, trying to test us from the north on the Golan Heights or uh, Hezbollah in, uh, from Lebanon. But I think that uh, they, they are uh, very well uh, experienced. I don't think that they would like to test us now in any way. They would, they would prefer, actually, to leave us alone right now, Jonathan, in the hope that we will tear each other apart. So I think actually that uh, uh, the, um, well, let's say that the danger or the chances of the eruptions of violence now uh, is actually quite uh, diminished. Ambassador Lechnoyal, your take on this? Uh, nothing will stop Israel from uh, operating militarily uh, in different uh, uh, theaters in the region. Uh, we heard about uh, an attack in uh, Aleppo, and, uh, and only today uh, Israeli forces operated in the West Bank again, uh, again, uh, the Palestinian uh, terrorists. Uh, we never underestimate our enemies. 
and our arch enemies, uh, namely Iran and Hezbollah, they know us well. And they know that this internal discussion in Israel will not weaken uh, Israel. Once before, in 2006, uh, Nasrallah, the leader of Hezbollah, made the mistake of believing that Israel is at a weak point and will not respond to his provocation. And he was so wrong that he admitted later that had he know, known beforehand that that would be the Israeli reaction, he wouldn't carry out the terrorist attack against uh, Israel. I think that we are at a similar situation uh, uh, today. And I think that this discussion inside Israel shows the strength of Israeli society, not its weakness. Well, but, I'd like to ask you because, uh, you know, even though we heard the U.S. ambassador to Israel, Nides, uh, during the uh, INSS conference a couple of weeks ago, communicate about uh, the fact that in Washington's opinion, uh, whatever legislation that is being tried to push, be pushed forward by the incumbent government uh, should be postponed for the purpose of seeking a consensus. Um, let's see where this, of course, heads. He also emphasized what Ambassador Leshnoyal just noted, uh, that Israel is still a very strong and viable democracy, something that is uh, viewed as such by the majority of states in the West. Nonetheless, when I really look at the variables, there are plenty of strategic interests around us that deter not uh, uh, deter them from Israeli action, but deter them from the loss of strategic interests, including what we saw in Lebanon, particularly, of course, the, the maritime arrangement that was reached between Israel and Lebanon. It was ratified subsequently in the United Nations and is recognized as an international treaty. Uh, if Hezbollah were to act against Israel, it would lose its predominant source of potential income uh, at a time when also Qatar, France, and Italy are engaged, of course, in exploration in the near future, uh, which may deliver them substantive funds, which they're not today receiving from the Islamic Republic due to the sanctions that are still in force. So... Um while, yes, uh, one may see uh, the uh, demonstrations and the dissent as uh, signs of uh, democratic strength, this particular crisis is different from all the previous ones because it has to do with the nature of democracy itself. It's a debate on whether what uh, was uh, presented by the government as its program will uh, still preserve Israel's uh, democratic uh, form of government. So it is not about any particular issue, uh, which is uh, what happens in all democracies, but on the future of democracy itself. Now, having said that, there is one more force, one additional force which we haven't mentioned, and that's the calendar. A week from now starts the month of Ramadan. Nothing can change that. And um, we have to wait and see whether there will be an eruption, a conflagration, either in Jerusalem uh, or in the West Bank. Of course, uh, there is um, uh, some influence between the two arenas, as well as between them and the Gaza Strip and Israeli Arabs. So we may be facing some additional crisis um, during the month of Ramadan, we are going to have Passover and Easter. These are always very sensitive times. Uh, 
Um, it could be tense, it could be delicate. So regardless of um, whether Netanyahu withdraws his program, whether he uh, is uh, going ahead full force, and the demonstrations are going uh, uh, to collide with the government, we are going to have a very, very tense month uh, since um, um, a week from now. Indeed. Well, you know, when, when we look at the big picture, however, and you mentioned the Palestinian arena, uh, the month of Ramadan obviously is always a tense uh, period of time. Also, the period leading up, as we're today uh, uh, just uh, a week away, uh, is also tense. Nonetheless, the security establishment seems to be working quite proficiently when we're looking on the ground. Uh, of course, there are variables and there are incidents, and, and this will continue. But we realize that at this uh, moment in time, there are already retractions. We heard, of course, uh, uh, the, uh, the executive uh, director of the PLO, Al-Sheikh, who is uh, expected to be one of uh, the successors or potential successors of uh, the Palestinian Authority chairman, Mahmoud Abbas, or the, the Palestinian president. Uh, to what degree do we expect the, pal the, the consequences of this tense period and potential ramifications uh, of potential developments in, in Judea, Samaria, the Jordan Valley, and, and other districts of the West Bank um, also have implications for the domestic discussion here in Israel? Well, Jonathan, uh, we are in a transition in, the, in Judea and Samaria. The Palestinian Authority is not what it used to be, and it's deteriorating. Uh, just uh, to get, you know, com commensurating with the deterioration of health of uh, its leader, uh, Mr. Uh, Abu Mazen. Uh, but uh, if there is a, uh, a power struggle after his departure, no matter how, you know, what way he departs, I believe it will be uh, eventually, if there's going to be a, uh, a real uh, military conflict there, uh, it will eventually spill over to uh, Israel itself. Uh, there is nothing that uh, can unite all the uh, you know factions of uh, the, the the PLO and the other terrorist organizations, then to just uh, spill over and unite uh, against Israel. So in my mind, in the um, in the imminent uh, future, the Palestinian threat, uh, and especially from uh, West Bank, not from uh, Gaza, uh, the, the Hamas has been very uh, judicial in its uh, new tactic as uh, to keep quiet. The Gaza border, as he can, as they can incite and try to push over uh, terror from from the West Bank and from Israeli uh, Arabs who are sympathizers of Hamas in Israel uh, proper. So this is the main problem that we have now, more than Iran, and and for that we will need uh, a, um, a a populist consensus in Israel, because if. Uh, in very, uh, you know, uh, special operations far away from borders of Israel, we usually um, need uh, elite forces uh, with not too many people here. If, if indeed there will be a third uh, intifada, some say that it already started, we will need the masses, you know, the ground forces. And for that, you need the consensus in Israel so they can um, enlist and fight shoulder to shoulder, uh, hunt uh, terrorists. I remember in 2002, Jonathan, in defensive shield, um, 
and this was quite the leadership of Ariel Sharon. He will really waited until the last moment to really mobilize. He said he used to say that restraint is strength when he was pushed by many to start prematurely in um, you know a self-defense operation. When he uh, declared emergency uh, situation, there were 120 percent uh, enlisting, um, you know, enlisting uh, among the reservists. I'm not sure that at this moment today we will see the same kind of numbers. This is why we will have to uh, hopefully finish uh, with this, um, you know, upheaval, uh, social upheaval in Israel sooner than later. Of course, these were different times uh, in nature. Uh, when Israel was, of course, under repeated attacks of uh, suicide bombings and uh, other uh, horrendous uh, acts of terror, which uh, uh, really struck at the heart of many Israelis, which triggered uh, also that response. But uh, Ambassador uh, Leshnoyal, we we have roughly one minute uh, for you on on the next question. And I'd like to hear um, very briefly to what degree is Israel going to be resilient in the international community, uh, considering the fact that, of course, the domestic strife is uh, based on a controversial legislative bill that ultimately receives a lot of criticisms from the majority of our allies. I think that as long as uh, uh, violence in the West Bank, also Gaza, is contained, and there are no major breakouts of uh, incidents with casualties. Um, um, uh, Again, in the West Bank, especially, uh, and in Jerusalem during the month of Ramadan, then world attention will be somewhere else. Russia, Ukraine, China, Balkans, uh, Africa, etc. The Palestinian issue is no longer the number one uh, foreign policy issue that it used to be 15, 20 uh, uh, years ago. And that uh, um, uh, uh, means that the Israeli government and Israeli military will have to be restrained, pay attention to uh, uh, advice that we get from uh, friendly foreign uh, uh, leaders, and whenever necessary, uh, take up uh, counterterrorism uh, action uh, in the West Bank, which uh, have legitimacy uh, in the eyes of Western uh, uh, leaders. That's my Although- opinion. Also, uh, they will have to contain the settlers who may uh, provoke uh, some incidents. Uh, fractions, of course, uh, which are not all settlers, uh, to put that in context. But I, I think also another very important point, and that is uh, to instill hope in the youth in the Palestinian-controlled uh, territories, because these youth uh, who do not have hope are prone uh, to ultimately receive uh, funds from either terrorist organizations or even Iran, which uh, uh, of course operates uh, with its proxy, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, in the various uh, territories that we're speaking of, and uh, is more than keen on seeing Israel in disarray. Uh, but uh, we will discuss more on these uh, topics uh, in the near future. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, Ambassador Ayalon, Ambassador uh, Leshnoyar, and Mr. Oren for being part of today's panel. And I'd like to thank all of you at home as well. Until next time. Shalom. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.